Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt at... Uh, what am I? Big Kurt on Twitter at yeah. B1GKURT. I should never try to do two things at once. No. I was literally writing. I'm like, I can That's write it. while I... No, I can't. It, real quick, I'm Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Um, thank you for listening to Download the Podcast. I tell people all the time that... I, I'm not a multitasker, and I have a theory that nobody's actually a good multitasker. No. Some people are better than the others. Yeah. Um, but if somebody's talking to me and I'm trying to take notes, and it, it happens in a business setting, all the, I just go silent and I have to type or, or write because if I try to do both, all hell breaks loose. I'm a unitasker. <laughs> yes, and and I'd like to say I think I'm a darn good unitasker. Yeah, I'm a pretty good unitasker. I think more people should just get better at unitasking. But anyways, buddy, how you doing today? I'm doing okay today. A lot yeah, better than yesterday. That's Although good. I did see Jackass the movie yesterday. And which you were was just telling me all about it. Absolutely fantastic. Run out and see it today. Do not wait. Um, and I, I would like, I would think the lowbrow humor of Jackass probably fits in with a pretty high percentage of people that would listen to our podcast, I would think. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Football watching, bourbon swilling, Jackass watching. Uh, we talk about Family Guy. Obviously, me, you, and the Carthaginian had... Had some good times this weekend watching some of the latest uh, the South Park, uh, South Park yeah. episodes. Which I left my MacBook, 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 Cortado, Cortado. What is that? I, I didn't even know what that was. I think cortado? It's, a co- it's a coffee. It's a coffee drink, yeah. <laughs> metal, metal water bottle. <laughs> water and metal bottle. <laughs> Greatest social commentary happening right now is South Park. Uh, anyways, it was an enjoyable. I tell you what. When there is literally no football line, it's time to get creative on uh, what what simple minds like me and you can do to entertain ourselves. Yeah. All right, man. Should we get right into some housekeeping and kind of the news items at hand right now? Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. Yeah, let's start with some lighter stuff. Let's go East Coast here. Rutgers. They've had a lot of things going on, it seems. They've it, had a couple of coaches leave. One of their big recruiters, Fran Brown, cornerback coach, leaves to go to Georgia. Same same role or secondary coach in some capacity. So that's, by the way, that's the kind of things that happen to programs that are doing good things is they, they lose coaches to better programs, right? So Yeah, yeah and I would think, I, I, I would be willing to bet that if you've coached under Greg Schiano, you are probably well thought of in the coaching world. I'd think so. So it would it would up your resume. But I mean, leaving for Georgia is hard to, hard to blame the guy, but he's known as a good recruiter, supposing. I, I, and, and thank God, I mean, Georgia is struggling at recruiting, so thank yeah, God they have another guy on well, the staff. They're saved, finally. But they've had a lot of in-transferring and out-transferring, it seems like. Uh, one of the big ones, though, Curtis Dunlop Jr. from yeah. Minnesota has yeah. transferred, and he'll be playing at Rutgers next year. Yeah. That's, that's that guy, crazy. That guy's going to seem like he's going to be in the, uh, you know, Jordan Bohannon. Like, he seems like he's been there a long time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He does. But anyway, a lot of a lot of movies yeah. at Rutgers. It, I mean, everything's everything's uh, uh, centered around Piscataway. I mean, even though this is a college football podcast, the Rutgers men's basketball team. Like, Dude, they at beat... some point, everybody's like, maybe Rutgers is just good. I think they won like f- they beat four, four ranked teams in a row in a row. Yeah, four. and before that, they beat Iowa, which isn't a slouch sure. of a team. I mean, it was five big wins in a row. And so. by the way, they they took my Illini to the woodshed at. Jersey Mike slash the rack. Yeah, we, that was not a good look for us. I mean, it was just because. 
I mean, they dominated us. Good luck trying to figure out uh, Big Ten basketball right now. Like, I, I know they say we say this every year, but like anything can happen. Anything. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than Nebraska winning. That's really about uh, it. They won a game. They did win a game. Yeah. So, Oof, boy, that's a that's a disaster. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that too much, but it's I, I don't think it takes a uh, genius to say it's not a good luck uh, for that Oof. specific program. But. Okay, moving back to the Midwest, Ken O'Keefe, yeah. the Iowa quarterback coach, is stepping down, quote unquote. <laughs> He's moving to an off-field role. So was this like the falling on the sword of someone has to go? Right. But to me, it doesn't seem like the right guy's going, but somebody's going. <laughs> An assessment that many a Hawkeye fan has had is something what you just had right there. Um, fitting that we're talking about Iowa today, by the way, Iowa and Michigan will be our team grades, our last team grade podcast. Um, I think for most Iowa fans, uh, everybody knows that the offensive coordinator's last name uh, is the same as the head coach. So that obviously plays into it. Um, I think. Brian Ferentz can coordinate a running game, but, but there needs to be some sort of mix up or or some new concepts in the throw game. So I don't think you can blame Iowa fans for just having an inkling of, of a thought process that a different set of eyeballs coming in to look at the passing game yeah. and develop the quarterbacks. Yeah, we're ready for it. Okay, so you favor the move. I favor, I favor the move. Yeah, okay. and, and shout out to Ken O'Keefe. Uh, dude, he was there when I was there, and okay. he is a affable good man. Like, I, I hope he lives a long and, and prosperous life after this role is over. Drew Tate, you know, Brad uh, Banks. I mean, dude, he's there were some good quarterbacks yeah. that he oversaw, so he has been huge for the Iowa football program. Um, getting a little long in the tooth. Again, this is more about a new set of eyeballs than it is anything. Okay, so. but is it a... Is it enough to have a new set of eyeballs? I do not know. I could not predict that. Um, I mean, I, I'll say this much. Like it, like most fans, it's like, oh, sweet. Now our passing game should look better. Uh, it's it's going to be a little bit more complicated that because, you know, they're still going to run a zone blocking scheme, mm. you know, at the line of scrimmage. So it's got to be somebody that can, you know, marry up a passing attack to the zone running scheme. And and I, it's yet to be seen if that's even possible or at least to the degree that we'd like it to see. But we'll talk more about that later. I, I have a feeling we yeah, will talk yeah. more about that later in this episode. Okay. Jane Smith, Ohio State AD, and this alliance. This is something else, isn't it? Or it's nothing at all. Or it's nothing at all. So these, these quotes are from The Athletic this week. So he said about the alliance, this this Big Ten ACC Pac-12 alliance may not necessarily lead to scheduling agreements between the three conferences when it comes to future football games. Then what is it? I don't know, because I thought what it was was an alliance that was essentially stacked up against the SEC to say, okay, if you're not going to fall in line with some other things we need, we're just going to take away a large amount of the inventory that you literally have available to play. But my, the one thing I always wondered about is like, so then Georgia Tech's got to agree to quit playing Georgia. And maybe they're like, okay, right. that's good. But I'm just saying there's um, Florida State, Florida, right? There's a lot of ACC, sure. SEC teams that play each other a lot. Louisville, Kentucky. Clemson, South Carolina. I mean, there's a lot of them. So you're if you're really playing hardball, you'd have to rip all of those non-conference games out. And maybe there was some chatter once people look through and they're like, 
Yeah, I don't know if we're really going to go through it to this degree. So then if you're not all in, what do you got? I mean, and maybe that's what Gene Smith is, is talking about. So, here. The, yeah, maybe that was a big part of it. I was I kind of thought it could create some excitement with some Big Ten versus Pac-12 scheduling, right. Big Ten versus ACC scheduling, get some national eyeballs on those games. But then again, you're taking away a conference game to just add another Power Five game. Which is pretty much what Gene Smith said. Yeah. He's like, so how is that helping us at all? It well, and, and this is on the heels of um, you know, some of the news that came out from the athletic, which seemed to be coming from Gary Barda, another Iowa theme, um, that it was eminent that that was going to be the case. And maybe it looked like that a month ago. Um, uh, but now Gene Smith says no. But can I can I ask you a question? So like who's running the Big Ten conference right now? Who's I, who's the I don't know who's in charge. Well, who's the spokesperson? What's the guy's name? I don't remember. I mean and, like I was just thinking about this uh, this morning, like in the shower, like if you were in some sort of social gathering setting and Gene Smith walked in the room, you know, I, f- I feel like people were like, hey, Gene Smith, man, you know, it kind of, you know, sit up a little straighter, whatever. Do you, do you think K-Dub, when he walks in the room, it's the same feeling that people I think get? It, it might be a lot of eye rolls. Oh, boy. Now, so that guy, the guy that whose name we can't remember, whose initials are apparently K-W. Doesn't he spew a lot of bullshit about leadership? You know, yeah. Doesn't try, try leading. Yeah, how about give, give that? Just just stop. Be talk. out. Be out in front. And 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 by the way, I mean that actually kind of folds right into the next bullet point we have here, which is the college football playoff. Yeah, is going to stay at four. I think it's through twenty twenty five. Through twenty five season. Yeah. So, boy, did that get people up in arms. So now I'm going to give K Dub credit. You have to. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's like, we're not going to agree to anything unless the winners of the Power Five Conference get an auto bid. Yeah. Which is what I want. Absolutely. You want it. Otherwise, why are we playing the games? DS wants it too, I believe. I mean, I don't think you have to be angry man yelling at cloud levels of, of, of age group to, to understand that that's a, a cool part of this, right? Like... You could you could go divisions, no divisions. Heck, you could throw you could throw uh, conference championships out or have them whatever. As long as the team that is decreed the winner of the Power Five conference gets an auto bid, that to me is something I can sign up for. Absolutely, and and so KW was fighting for that. So give him credit. Now, a, the a, the ACC was too, which is our old boy Jim Phillips. So that's right. Okay, good point. Now, did you read? The Gene Smith comments about playing at home sites, and he's like, "Yeah, I know that the fans are for it, but he's talking about now Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Why wouldn't you want to play at your home sites?" I don't saw that. Um, it's hard to get on the same page with anybody with this, but like, I really would. I and I and I feel like I'm going to say somewhere around 85 percent of college football fans want the on campus experience. Yeah, 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 and, and then. Even if it's Indianapolis, which I understand is is pretty much centrally located for the Big Ten, you're still traveling and paying for a yeah. hotel and doing all that stuff. And, and if we keep things somewhat similar to what they are now, that team probably was just in Indianapolis in the Big Ten championship. Right. So now you're talking about a, a trip oh, to Indy two weeks in a row, whereas on campus, you, you're, you're going to fill it up. People got their routines for their, for their on-campus stadium. I don't know. What am I missing here? 
I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of politics going on here. So much politics going on. Because that, that to me, is not good for the Big Ten Conference because it gives you an advantage, too, playing late in the season in colder weather. Outdoors. I would think so. Or maybe Gene Smith and Ryan Day talk, and Ryan Day is like, you know, my offense yeah. gets it, – it's harder and harder to run the deeper it gets into the fall. So maybe they don't like that. And by the way, if Gene Smith and Ryan Day are behind the scenes – trying to coerce things to make it benefit Ohio State, I can't blame them. No, That's what everybody's trying to do, right? But I do think a lot of this just comes down to the the uniformity of it all, you know, 8 plus 1 or 9 plus 1 or 9 plus 0, you know, as far as the Power 5 games, conference and in-conference. I just would love to see it at some point, that, that there's some form of uniformity. Uniformity would be good. But then also, this is, goes back to doing what's right for Ohio State. They He said that they could give on the automatic qualifier because what if they don't win the conference? They still want to get their bid, right? They're probably going to get in. Yeah. I mean, if Ohio State goes into the Big Ten Championship 12-0, they're in no matter what at that point, especially yeah. with a 12-game playoff. Um, another thing that I saw, I mean, I, I read some some – you know, articles of a, with a journalist breathlessly talking about what a what a disservice has been done to college football and college football fans because we're not getting the eight or twelve team college football playoff. Right, okay, right. Um, so one of the words is just that it, it's distrust. That's what it, it's. There's distrust. Okay, so I have I have two entities to blame for the distrust. Okay, okay. one of them's kind of funny. One of them, I I I, I kind of actually mean it. Okay. The first entity I'd like to blame is Kevin Feige, that that heads up the Marvel Studios. Okay, that you're already talking out of my leg here, because he made Disney co- Company so much bleeping money mm. with the. And by the way, I mean I love the Marvel franchise. I've seen every single movie. Point I'm trying to make is there's so much money that's been given to Disney, which then funnels down to ESPN and ABC, that ESPN can actually stay in the talks for who's going to quote unquote host the college football playoffs. Like people need to understand this. It's not like ESPN just owns this forever. They've got to bid it yeah, sure. every 10 years, eight years, whatever it is. Um, I think there was a time where ESPN was hurting for cash enough where I didn't think they were going to be a player in the game. And now it seems like they're flush with cash after going through this. And anyways, I blame kind of a joke, but I think there's probably okay. some okay. some level of truth to it. The second entity that I blame, I actually mean this pretty much wholeheartedly, is Texas, the Texas Longhorns, because it looked like it was going down to a 12-team playoff about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then in the shadow of the night, and, and, and I know it was Texas and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma doesn't get a free pass, but does anybody, I mean, dude, it was started from Texas. It was Texas. Was it not? Is yeah. that not right up their alley for just being gigantic burnt orange douchebags most of the time right but so okay so them joining the sec but right. how, how does that tie in to the 12 team playoff because essentially there was a lot of handshake this is how i understand it um obviously i'm not there this is not what i do for a living but from what i can read through the tea leaves it was funneling towards an eight or 12 i can't remember for sure but it sounded like it was 12 okay 12-team playoff, and everybody was kind of going under the assumption that we had the Power 5 conferences, Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, okay? As they're 
kind of handshaking, okay, this is, I think, what we're doing. Texas and Oklahoma and the, and the SEC are saying nothing to anybody about the fact that secretly behind the scenes, mm. they're, they're, they're leaving the Big 12 mm-hmm. to join the SEC. So now that goes down and everybody's like, whoa, 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 WTF, you know? And that's, that is essentially what has frozen this whole thing is is that okay so now it's like you know it's the the office stand up when they got the fake you know handguns and everybody's it went from i think we're heading this way to nobody's trusting each other Hmm. pretty much when that went down which i believe was right at the end of the summer last year sounds about right yeah midsummer late summer something like that so interesting yeah okay one last little item here which again ties into all of this doesn't it and all of this the bullet point you're going with is that nbc it's being reported is expected to offer $1.1 billion for the, for the, yeah, billion with a B as in boy for the Big Ten football rights for this next contract here. So that's gonna, that's gonna cause all kinds of ripple effects, especially with the way you watch your, okay. your football, which I'm not very excited about really. Because, Talk on that. What's what's your take? Because I have a take on that. Well, so I mean, NBC, you can see that they've been pushing Peacock, their streaming service, right? So, you're not going to be able to watch all the games you want unless you subscribe to Peacock. So there you go. So there's number one. And, and I would hope, okay, going under the assumption for a bit here that this NBC deal goes through, okay? If you're a Big Ten fan, you it should throw it should have a ton of mixed feelings for you, yeah. okay? Number one, like the Big Ten is in the best financial spot right now as is. This would make the Big Ten number one by a wide margin, even against yes, the the SEC. Yeah, that's how I mean. Now the SEC would eventually catch up in some capacity. Yeah, it has something to do with like literally when the deals are made. It's and straddle. all like yeah, it's all about timing. Correct. It's like it's like with the NFL quarterback when you sign your contract. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Nice, nice work. Awesome. So that right now it's it's timed out perfectly a couple times for the Big Ten. Um, so that's good, right? I mean. More money for better coaches, you know, facilities, which which trickles down and helps literally every single program in the Big Ten. Okay. The bad part is the stuff that you're talking about here. I mean, I would think that the Peacock app would improve, but right now it sucks donkey D. Well, like from what I, because I've, I had it for a while. It okay. was free for a while and I, you know, I didn't re-sign up, but like, and it had a ton of good old shows on it and stuff that it was interesting, but like to launch that app. Is a process. Yeah. You can't bounce back and forth and watch there games. There you go. The toggling. And by the way, Fox does a great job with this stuff now because they got Fox Sports. They got the FS1s. So, you know, you have – it's easy to watch Big Ten right now. Exactly. I mean, it's – it's You have BTN, of course. It's, I mean, every Big Ten game right now is on Fox, Big Ten, or ESPN. And, and they all – I can – and I mean – with Comcast, I I know you don't have that, but I can line up like I think it's like ten programs in a row, and I can when I do the flip back button, it brings them all up. Yeah, I can go three back. Like sure. oh, once happened with Rutgers Maryland, you right. go all the way back to that one. Can't do that now. No. Then I got to give my wife Mrs. Greek credit. I don't know if you remember what she said on Friday night when we we're hanging out. She's like, no, you I know do. what they're gonna do. Then somebody's going to come up with a service that says, oh, you have one that's an app and one that's this. You know what? Here's Give us $400 a month, and, and we'll have an app that actually has them all together. Yeah. And it's just, so then essentially you're back to cable. Correct. 
So then you're going to be paying for a premium to bring all of these TV services and apps together. Like, that's what's going to happen. I was I was impressed by Mrs. Greek when she brought that up. Yeah, that was good. And as I've told you in the past, all of this is my fault. So I will accept responsibility because when I had cable, I just would say, I don't want all this stuff. I just want the football games. Why can't I just choose what I and so then once streaming started happening, I'm like, Yay! I'm actually getting what I asked for, but I wasn't specific enough. I wanted to be able to just stream. I want that game. I'll pay five dollars for that game, and I want that game. I'll pay three dollars for that and game. And I like your initial thought process. I understand, but now the streaming services have gone up in price. Oh my I mean, gosh, to, YouTube TV! It's like every month almost it goes up. So it's not. So and I don't know exactly what these. I'm I'm using you know just shoot from the hip numbers, but. At one point, cable was $250, you know, and then the streaming service was 50. And yep. you're like, oh, 200 bucks a month, that's a lot of money to get, you know, and I still have 95% of what I want, yep. right? So I get it. But right now, it's like the difference between 275 and 210. For me, that extra 65 bucks, just sure. give me the cable. Yeah. I've had YouTube Getting TV. Getting internet with that too, by and the way. And by the way, I do like YouTube TV. It's still a very good service for the price, but it's literally doubled in the whatever, four years that I've had it. It's doubled in price. And, and, and from my experience as a uh, human and business person, if I can say, I don't remember. Things don't go down no. very often. No. So. Well, they went down for, they they credited you back. Like they did a partial month or something like that when they lost, uh, uh, what was the channel that, that we were going to lose a bowl game. We were going to watch a bowl oh, game. There's okay. a big to-do about it. And everyone made a big stink on Twitter. And then like a day later, they had the channel back. I can't and that's remember. it. Okay. And so they credited you like, I don't know, seven bucks or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Better than nothing. Um, anyways, yeah, I kind of like when I first saw the announcement, I was like, oh, man, that'd be good for the Big Ten. But as time has gone on, I don't know. Um, but and then. But outside of all of that, if if the alliance, the 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 actual alliance between the SEC and ESPN, if there is a way that that gets chopped down, then I'm in favor for it. I believe an NBC deal like this would help with that. Yeah, I, or I maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm making connections that aren't there, but I, I, it would at least go down the the thought process. Maybe with that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then to, one last thing, and I was going to bring this up before, but again, this all kind of ties together. But with the college football playoff, like, and, and I know, I believe me and you are in the minority. It seems like most college football fans want eight or 12. No doubt. And, and the more casual fan you get to, the more they want the eight or 12. That is a fantastic point. Yep. That is a fantastic point you just made mm -hmm. right there, my podcast partner. That's one thing. And what I said in there's a, a Big Ten football or big um, conference, uh, you know, DM group I'm in. And I, I seem like it's just me and maybe one other guy that isn't completely on board with the eight or 12 team playoff. Okay. And I just am like, listen, I, I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying don't talk on fact that the eight or 12 is definitely going to be better. Right. That's the only thing that annoys me. Like, that's what we kept saying about the BCS. That's what we've said about college football. Like, and, and I think there is debate right now that what's better, the college football player for the BCS, college football yeah. player for pulls and bowls. Like, there's a debate. So to me, there's a debate that eight or 12 is definitely going to be better. And by four. the way, at, initially, I think the eight and 12 is going to be really, really bad. 
and really un- un- unentertaining. Although you'll have teams that'll have bid or, so or their buys, right? So you probably have four teams that'll have buys. Right. Depending what on- I think, let's say it's 12. Okay. What I think it would be is... So it be four buys. Four buys, and then four on-campus games. And those four on-campus games would probably be pretty good. Those games would be good. But then you'd get to the, the next round, and, then, and, and they and would just, be blowouts. And it's just murder central. It'd be four blowouts. That's what I think. And then you'd have the 14 playoff. Back to the 14 playoff. <laughs> and everybody'd be like, why are we even doing this? Correct. It would take about four years. But then is that really that hard to predict in the future uh, no, how that's going to go? I don't know. But then, it, it I, like I said before, it may really spread out recruiting, though. That may be the one benefit. And, and by the way, another thing that they did what what did what did we pick up by moving the the signing date up? Now it just puts more yes. pressure on the coaches. I mean, I know you got your recruiting pod coming up. Yeah. We'll talk about it more, but we got to go back to the old way. <laughs> it was better. It was and just by better. the way, there was old fuddy daddy coaches like I don't know the one that uh, pro, uh, presides over the program we're going to talk about who didn't like it from the beginning and it was ah oh, shut up old fuddy daddy right he was right. The whole time. This yeah. is stupid. It yeah. just puts more it puts more pressure on the coaches and the kids. Yeah, it does. Anyways. And it ruins a lot of fun, really. Of course it does. Everybody loves signing day. It was the greatest. It, for for college football fans that that love them some recruiting, you 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 are more of that person than I am. But still, even me, you follow that stuff. I mean it was fun. It was the Finding was, about the late flips. Yeah. It was you know it was the first fun off-season event correct every year it's the closest that um college football fans have to the nfl draft it's closest which is, thing to the draft and which then, is one of the greatest spectacles in the world and it was a nice bridge to spring football right so you had something to look forward let's yeah, go back i know i know all right moving on to the team grade portion of the podcast once again we always hold the two teams that make it to indianapolis last those two teams this year were iowa and michigan first up the Iowa Hawkeyes, their preseason over/under was eight point five. I predicted over at nine and three. Yeah, I did as well. I predicted over at nine and three. It was a tough call. I don't know that I felt great about it, but I did go nine and three, and they went over. And, and they, they actually over. went over with a game to spare. Uh, they went ten and two overall. Obviously, getting to Indianapolis, losing in Indianapolis, losing the bowl game to finish ten and four. Overall, now we'll get into the details. So first up, like we've been doing, is the schedule. Okay, so I just want to say, Kurt, this will probably be my last chance to get to say it, but I am old enough to remember when I was told as an Iowa fan that Iowa would be lucky to go 1-1. One and one. They Definitely, I could see them going 0-2 oh versus Indiana and Iowa State to start the year. Do you remember those olden days? Kurt? I do remember those olden days. In fact, I, I didn't predict them to go 0-2. Oh but I did predict them to lose one of those games. To Iowa State, I believe. I think it was Indiana, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So now, obviously, with hindsight, we know that Indiana was not a good football team no. last year. But Iowa State was. I mean, that's a, made a made a nice bowl game. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just, it's my last chance to get a little puffy chesty that it just seemed like the, the much of the thought process on anybody taking the under- was how Iowa was going to start in those games. Yeah. There was never any doubt in either one of those games on who the better football team was. No, not really. I mean, you look at 34-6 to against Indiana. It was a blowout. Never, Indiana was never in the game. And then 27-17, to not a blowout, but it, it was a comfortable win. But it was 27-10. to That was a late it was, that was a late score, four-minute offense. It was a comfortable type, win. Type of deal. So it was a comfortable win. Great start for Iowa. Obviously, anytime the Hawkeyes beat 
the Cyclones, the Hawkeye fans are pretty happy. Kent State and Colorado State, if you right now put the games on and flip the jerseys around, I probably wouldn't even be able to tell the games apart. It was the the basic game where same game where they won the game, but they did not look aesthetically pleasing. Um, as an Iowa fan and most Iowa fans, I wasn't too worried about the offense coming out of Indiana and Iowa State because like the thought process with Indiana is, if you remember, it was pick six here, pick yep. six there, Tyler Goodson. Yep. There was no need to throw the ball around and, and risk anything. Right. Kind of the same thing with Iowa State, as well as the fact that Iowa State has really good defense. So I came out of those two games not that concerned. By the time we got through Kent State and Colorado State, there was real concerns on the Iowa offense. Yeah, there was. And now they're winning these games, you know, but anyways, that I, I would just say that that was the thought process. People were already getting concerned at that point. Okay, and then you go to Maryland and I mean just worked them. I mean 51 to 14, but I have to say, I mean, maybe I'm being too harsh on my team, but like, I mean, it was a closer matchup at the beginning of the game. And then the interception factory, you know, started and, and, and then it led to offense for Iowa. And then it was a blowout. It was because I was, I predicted a Maryland win and I was feeling kind of puffy chesty because it was going exactly how I kind of thought it was going to go right at the, at the beginning. But so I wasn't really buying the Hawkeyes prior to this game. Okay. And this is when I started buying. Okay. Buying stock heavily in the Hawkeyes. And a lot of it was fueled off of what they were doing defensively. And it was. No, it absolutely because, you know, there were concerns, like you said, about the offense. But then I'm like watching this defense, I don't know that they need much offense. Correct. And that was the thought process. Now, um it is hard to keep the momentum going of turnovers like yes. they're doing all year. And it really kind of stopped the next week. So this is number three, Iowa, number four, Penn State in Kinnick Stadium. I mean, it was a slog fest. As you can remember, Penn State loses their quarterback. Um, I mean, this was a tough, tough battle versus two teams. In the end, a dialed up, a beautifully designed and dialed up play leads to a big, huge uh, touchdown pass. Uh, the the top blows off a Kinnick Stadium and they pull out the game and boom, just like that, they're sitting at six and zero and you know they're they're a college football playoff contender right. at that point. Yeah, and you're how just, fast that went down? And you're just sitting there shaking your head. This is what Iowa does. Even yeah, without an offense, they're still six and zero. And then, boom, Purdue. And we both got puffy chested. We, because we got it was kind of slide of hand. We should have seen that coming. We should have seen it. And I will give myself credit. I, I picked Purdue to cover. This was like a, dude, I think it was like a 10 and a half point spread or okay. something like that off the top of my head. I picked Purdue to cover. I got, I got trashed by like <laughs> a dozen Iowa fans right. on Twitter. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, Purdue's had our number. Now Purdue was kind of slogging around at this point in the year. Their defense looked better, but I don't know if you remember. Like they, they were, no, they, had they didn't look as good at the beginning of the year as they did at the end of the year. So this was right after their string of only scoring 13 right. points in Thank like you. three out of four games, right? Or maybe three in a. It was some ridiculous thing where they could they could barely get on the board, but they what, were still winning games. Boy, did they get on the board here? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he who shall not be named the wide receiver yeah. for Purdue. Absolutely torched the Iowa secondary again. There again, there was guys down in the secondary. Horrible time, and I do think if you if this sounds like an excuse, I apologize. But like 
what comes up typically comes down in college football. And the, if Iowa could have had an idle week in between Penn State and Purdue, it might have helped. But boy, there was no doubt who won that game that day. And then uh, Iowa does get an idle week. Then goes into Camp Randall. This is a fantastic Wisconsin defense, but I mean, the Iowa offense didn't, you know, bust a grape in a fruit fight in that. Day. That was a horrible, horrible uh, uh, effort out of the Iowa offense. It was a horrible effort. So now you have two games in a row where all they do is put a single touchdown on the board. Not good. No, and and now you're concerned as an Iowa fan because now much. you're looking ahead and you're like. Boy, we still got some tough games in the schedule. This could we we could really get take it on the chin at the back end of this. Absolutely. I mean, if you go back in time, like it's just funny the memory that fans have, right? I would finish this year ten two. Like, yeah, yeah, we were great all year. After that Wisconsin game, there would have been Iowa fans selling their their car to to get to Indianapolis at that point. People were feeling bad. Rebound, not in a great way. Only beat Northwestern 17 to 12. Like, honestly, you could make an argument that's one of their worst performances of the year. But the next game, that was a huge game. But, beat Minnesota. But, but beating Northwestern, even as For bad, sure. that's something. I understand. Yeah. Especially the background between Iowa and Northwestern. Correct. That's what I'm referring to. Um, then Minnesota in Kinnick. And Minnesota had 120, 30 more yards than Iowa in this game. The, the most surprising thing was... And I don't mean in surprising as a knock against Minnesota, surprising as a knock as against the Iowa defense. Minnesota ran the ball really well that day, but Iowa made the explosive plays. Yes, I, that's that's what I said. Iowa made the explosive plays in the passing game and beat Minnesota, beat Illinois the next week. I mean, I think they were the better team in that game. Close battle with Nebraska on oh, the I'm, road. Well, they were on the ropes. Correct. And then it flipped quickly. We just talked about that one. And just like that, the regular season is over for Iowa, and they're ten and two. That black that game with Nebraska is Black Friday, so we go into the battle for the axe, and it's all decided. Wisconsin wins; they're in the Big Ten championship. Minnesota wins; they send their rival to Indianapolis. I dressed up like PJ Fleck that day. We went to an indoor tailgate. Minnesota pulls it off, sends Iowa to uh, uh, Indianapolis. One could make a uh, argument that the Minnesota Wisconsin game was one of the most enjoyable Iowa football games to watch this year. And then going to Indianapolis, a nice first quarter, first quarter and a half or yeah. so. I mean, it was only 14 to three at halftime. Yeah, it was competitive. And then the lack of Iowa punch on offense just Ugh. gave away to a very robust Michigan team. They pull away with that game. Uh, January 1st, Citrus Bowl. I feel like Iowa kind of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory a little bit in that bowl. Yeah, they I did. I mean, they Kentucky had... was up, and then Iowa controlled that game for pretty much all the second, third, and part of the fourth quarter. They had plenty of chances to win it. They did. They had a chance on offense. Then they had a chance on defense. Um, I would right. like to say they were down to, like, I'm going to say, like, fourth, fifth, and sixth quarterbacks in that game by that point. Okay. So I'm not trying to make excuses, but finished the season 10-4. Uh, and four. So now we look at the stats. I, I saw you making some notes. I, I, oh I think Lord. I know what you're going to use. So what I want to do, we have eight total stats here, four <laughs> offensive and four defensive. I just want to go through and read and juxtapose the two of them. So the four offensive stats, 
This is where they finished in the country. 121st, 101st, 108th, and 98th. And here's where they finished defensively in the country. 15th, 14th, 46th, 14th. Boy. Yeah, that is quite a difference. If uh, if Two Face, the the non Marvel, that's a DC Comics character. If Two Face was a football team, he might have been the Iowa Hawkeyes. You know, another thing I find interesting. Maybe this is a parallel that, that doesn't even actually make sense. But Iowa, great defense, bad offense. Ohio State, great offense, bad defense. They both finished ten and two in the Big Ten. Is I mean, that is that a thing? Yeah, I think it's a thing. I mean, defense still counts. I guess. It still, well, and, it still and, matters. And, and having balance, being being pretty good at both. Like, I, I don't think you can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's no secret. I mean, Iowa and the coaches talk about playing complementary football, you know, offense, defense, and special sure. teams. Very much the compliment on the Iowa offense, and this year was no different. Um, but I will say, and this will maybe kind of play into the team grade, the coaching staff deserves some credit on figuring out how to get to Indianapolis with a – beat up offensive line and quarterback play that was subpar. I think I might echo that sentiment later okay. in our in our breakdown here. Team stud. I can't do an offensive player. No. That's why I won't do Tyler Linderbaum, even though you could do him. Correct. Right? Okay. So I'm just gonna go with Jack Campbell. Nice. Because he's a badass. He is he's the Leo Chanel South of the Big Ten. Yeah. He's that guy that I feel like if you're on the opposing offense going up against him, you're finding ways to not get anywhere near him. I mean, and I mean, knock on wood, I guess I can say it now the season's over stays healthy. How, as physical as that dude plays stays healthy. I believe at 140 tackles, he led not only the big 10, the country. was it the country 140 tackles. He only had one sack, but he had uh, two picks, forced fumble, yeah, two, fumble recovery, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. He had a, a fumble yep. recovered touchdown and an INT touchdown. Yeah. I, I, I believe he's the heart and soul of, of not only the defense, but the whole team. But a shout out to career amazing offensive lineman, Tyler Linderbaum. Thanks for bringing him up. Uh, it's hard to point out stats when you're a center, especially Correct. on Iowa's team. But I shudder to think at how bad that offense and O-line would have looked without him. And I think I said it on a previous podcast, the the names and, and faces and numbers to the left and right of him we're switching all year good as point. they moved Very people good. in and out with injury and trying different stuff. Uh, Got to give a shout out to cornerback Riley Moss as well. Um, Big 10 defensive back of the year. And I don't have the stat in front of me. I'm going to take a shoot, shoot from the hip. I believe out of the last 10 years for defensive back of the year, Iowa has won five. Wow. Or, or it's five of the last nine, something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. And then next year, well, it'll be different this year, but I'm just saying the preseason, Iowa never even gets like one or two guys on the preseason. Never. No, you know, no. Uh, I think Moss will be on it next year. Best game moment. Okay. This is, I'm going to get trashed for this. Okay. I don't care because it's our podcast. I can do whatever I want. If you look back at like the second half of the schedule, right? Okay. They do beat Minnesota. They beat Nebraska, two rivals, but it nothing about those games was just like, overwhelming right and then you, you lose to wisconsin which you know is almost a rite of passage annually except for last year so you can't choose that one get you get boat raced by michigan so i'm gonna go with my personal high point of the year which was the maryland game and wow. at that point i felt like okay i'm buying i'm buying gotcha. the iowa hawkeyes okay. their, their defense is so good that i don't even care how bad their offense is this this team's a player 
to me, that was the high watermark, I guess, of the year. Interesting. Okay. Um, I would not have considered Maryland, but you laid it out very well. And, uh, let me go a little deeper. 271 yards they gave up to Maryland. And keep in mind, Maryland is playing from behind. So they're just trying to... And has a good offense. And has a good offense. So they're just pitching the ball all over. They can only come up with 271 yards, seven turnovers, and only 20 minutes time of possession for yeah. Maryland that game. Yeah. And, and it, it's rare that Iowa blows teams out, and it's fun for Iowa fans. When it happens, you're just like, oh, finally, I can relax yeah. for almost the entire second half. That's a, You laid that out well. Uh, Penn State could be microcosms down to just the one pass play. Um, Iowa State, always good to beat Iowa State. I just went with Minnesota, and, and I put it together as as beating Minnesota and Kinnick. That was a fun game to be at. It was just a blast. Mm. And then just kind of Minnesota coming through for us at the end of the year to send us to Indianapolis. So mm. it was it's as, it's as kumbaya as Iowa and Minnesota could ever be, or I, I guess I could say Iowa fans to Minnesota. I don't think there's any kumbayans coming back head scratcher i'm just gonna go i'm gonna point out some stats here i like going stats more than than games in this okay one. that's fine so if you go down their receiving stats you know this is not gonna be pretty so iowa fans put your earmuffs on sam laporta tight end leads the team which is i'm i'm cool with that i love yeah, seeing he, a tight end he, yeah. but he leads with only 670 yards so that's a but that's pretty, it's that's, a good tight end. No, that's good for a tight end, but it's yeah. not good for an overall receiver. Yeah. He and he only had three touchdowns, I'll point out. So the next the next highest player in terms of receptions, do you know who it was? Um running back, Tyler Goodson. Yeah, okay. I should so, know that. So then Oof. if you if you're looking at wide receivers, yeah. the highest number of receptions was twenty six for Nico Regani. The highest number of yards was Keegan Johnson, only 352 yards for a wide yep. receiver. Yep. The, the highest number of touchdowns for a wide receiver, do you know who it is? I think it's one. No, Charlie Jones had three. Three, okay. But that's... I know. That's pathetic. <laughs> it's not good. I know. I mean, you know, shout out to Sam Laporta. He does what Iowa tight ends do. Um, you know yeah, that I mean, it was, it was a combination of, I mean... We had a wide receiver transferred from here to Purdue. Um, I don't know what was going on with him. Like, it, it was just a combination of new faces, quarterback play. I mean, obviously quarterback play. Offensive line giving quarterback play a chance. It just all mixed together for for a, a big bowl of yuck. Yeah, and by the way, I'm not knocking the wide receivers. That's not what I'm saying No, I think here. there's talent there. I think there's some talent yeah. there. But yeah, a lot I of it had to saying. do with the offensive line, a lot of quarterback play scheme. It, it was just a mess. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's good. I mean, as far as head scratch. But the only thing to me is like, I, I, I don't consider it a head scratcher because we've seen this before. So Good point. It, so um, um, you could go Purdue. I believe I can like semi explain away Purdue because of the what goes up must come down deal. I can't go with Purdue because we've seen that. We've seen that. Yeah. I actually went with Wisconsin because like it's not just that you lost the game. It's that there was no wrinkles versus that defense. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they. There was, and, and then they kind of tried some stuff towards the end of the game, but just to come off an idle week and that's what you do, I don't know. That game actually upset me way more than Purdue did. Oh, I so. could see that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, team grade, what do you got? Interested here. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a good one. They won the West. I'm going with an A, but a minus. Wow. They won the West. They okay. won 10 games. All right. I, I mean, 
And the reason I'm going minus is because of the ugliness. Okay. I would go with an A, but it was too ugly. Like I'm like, yeah. yeah and I kind of shudder. Okay. Okay, I can't go with a full on A. I'm going A minus. I went B plus. Maybe I'm being harsh. Um, but I the when they lost, other than the bowl game, when they lost, it it just looked bad. So it, it knocked it down. But man, it's tough because you made it to Indy. Yeah. So like you, you, I mean, that is the but first then, goal. But then you got your Heine spanked in Indy, too, which kind of puts it, a bad taste. Yeah, it's, it's just like it's kind of two steps forward, through maybe three steps forward, one step back type of deal. But in the end, I mean, the coaches deserve credit. The players obviously deserve credit. You got to Indianapolis. It's, it's, it is definitely a good year. Ten wins, too. I mean, ten wins is nothing. They, they finished the season ranked for, for the fourth year in a row. I mean... You know, it's been a good run. All right, so 2002, spring ahead. What needs improvement? I mean, I think we've already talked so about that. Pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. quarterback play, offensive scheme, imagination on the offense. How about that? Maybe it's time, maybe, to mix in some more modern concepts. And, you think? And, and maybe it's time also. I know you've been asking for this since we started recording the podcast, but Maybe it's time to just start recruiting more athletic quarterbacks, like more yeah. ready type quarterbacks. And then that leads us into the next wave, which is um, the rumor is Joy Labas, the uh, uh, third string quarterback this year. Um, we've had a couple insiders at, at camp. You know, I have a couple streams of information. Joy Labas has been untouchable and can move. So okay. that is the thought process. So much so that Kirk Ferentz even brought him up. Hmm. And as somebody to look forward to, the other quarterbacks have been saying out loud that using their legs in the in the in the offense is something that needs to be looked for. And then we had heard about uh, changes coming, changes coming. So it seems that people knew about O'Keefe ahead of time. So it isn't going to look completely different, of course. But I'm getting a little bit optimistic on a tweak here or there. The throw game is where it mostly needs to come at. Here's another place where it needs to come at too, and this is a passing game too. Red zone offense is, is just it, it's cockapoo, and and there's a lot of losses or or non blowouts that happen because of that. So that's what I want to see. By the way, a shout out to the rushing attack uh, that also could be needs improvement. Um, I, I don't want to you know smash him on the way out the door, but our last running back took way too many negative plays. Way too many yeah. negative plays. You did not see that in the bowl game. Uh, the Williams brothers, the yeah. early brothers, they were moving the pile forward, and the offense came alive a little bit. So there is a little bit of optimism by Iowa fans that it's going to look a little bit more like what a, a more competent Iowa offense is going to look. Typically, looks like. You know, I wish I had talked about this more during the season. There were plenty of times when I would get personally frustrated watching Tyler Goodson run the football. Okay. You're not the like, only one. Get up the damn field, man. Okay. Okay. What are you doing back I, there? And I didn't mention it. I should have. And, and Iowa fans don't want to say it because, like, we love him. We love his family. Like, well, he's he a had a good career. And, statistically. I know. He was over 1,000 yards. But it just, you you can't t- you can't be stuck in second and 12 all, uh, no. that often. It's bad. No. No. Um, what's looking good? Pretty much everything else, right? You know, like... Well, so what what you mentioned earlier, that's what I have. You have an offense that is this putrid, yet somehow you find a way to win 10 games. And that I put all on the coaching staff. It's 
it's they have some wizardry going on. I there. think they do. Yeah. Um, and most of it has to do with LeVar Woods, the special teams coach, Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator. I mean, those units are always up and running. You can make an argument that if Iowa just gets to 40th in rushing, oh man, this would be a tough team to beat. Is Absolutely. that fair? Okay. Very. And another thing, recruiting just keeps. It's pretty good. It's been good for a few years, and it's staying good. They're number one in the West in the 22 class in recruiting. The bad news, I guess, is that sixth overall in the conference, but still they're setting themselves up for a continued trajectory in the future. Yeah, and there's a lot of young talent that's on the roster. So overall, great year, I think I can say, for the 2021 Iowa Hawkeyes, and that was your team grade. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Last but not least, the champs. The Michigan Wolverines, their preseason over-under was six and a half. We both had them 500. Six and six. Wait, the seven and a half was the preseason. What did I say? You said six and a half. Seven, seven and a half, sorry. It was the over-under. We both went a game and a half under. We both predicted six and six. I did predict six and six. Sadly, I yes. I, I, I slided the entire state of Michigan this year. Correct. And it came back to bite me. Uh, what'd they do? Well, the regular season was 11 and one with the win in Indy. They went 12 and one. And then the loss at the end of the year, which obviously we'll get to, they finished 12 and two. They went way over. They surprised, I would say not only just big Kurt and I, but pretty much all of the big 10 in college football. Yeah, I th- they probably surprised a lot of their fans. I know there's a lot of them on board. I, I think if they were honest, they would <laughs> yeah. say that as well. Yeah. Um, I think whenever I think about fans that are optimistic about changes, and this is what I'm hearing, and, you know, if every fan was correct, well, that's impossible because yep. – but this is the one I think about. Like, the changes on – the, the defensive and offensive staff, you're just like, there's no way this is going to fit together. No. And it did. It did fit together. It was Purdue-like with their, their triumvirate on the defensive yeah. coordinator. That, like, you could put those in about the same. They're pretty close. But Purdue was just one side of the ball. This was right. both sides of the ball that we had huge question marks about. And by the way, again, like in our defense, they weren't even ranked to start the year. Nope. In fact, little nugget, the 2021 Michigan Wolverines are the first team in the college football era to start out unranked and get into the college football playoffs. Amazing. I mean, you want to talk about changing the the thought process and the paradigm around your program? That'll do it. All right. Schedule breakdown. Eh, they destroy Western Michigan. Eh. Ah, they destroy Washington. Ah, Washington sucks this year. Their offense is horrible. Ah, they destroy Northern Illinois. Eh. Anyways, point I'm trying to make is they were a dominant 3-0 and and people were just kind of like, okay. I, I mean, was, it, they, there wasn't a lot of chatter. No, there wasn't chatter. But I was even watching him saying, oh, this looks not like I expected. Okay. And Western Michigan, I was just more impressed. Okay, I'm like, all right, they're geeked up to play. When I got through the Washington, I'm like, you know, that's – I understand Washington's offense is, is, is doggy poo, but Washington's defense was well thought about. And, and they, they boat raced them. Yep. That, I mean, I was then breaking down the Northern Illinois game film as best I can because, like, I wanted to watch what they were doing on, on rushing the ball. 
because they weren't just like getting uh, b- good rushing totals. I mean, they were chunk plays, man. And then, so then I, I was also thinking, well, is Northern that bad? Could they be that bad? They weren't that bad but, of a no, team. No, they were a good team. Yeah. They ended up being a good team. But at the at that moment, I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to justify it. Well, maybe Correct. Northern is just really dog shit. No. Um, then Rutgers. Okay. You could make an argument. That's one of their worst performances of the year. Oh, yeah. You can make that argument. Um, I mean, not that... I felt like Michigan was always in control of that game and going to win, but it was ugly. That's it. I mean, it was an ugly win. It was. That happens. They gritted it out. Okay. Yeah, you do. You deserve credit. Wisconsin 38-17 to in Camp Randall. To me, if you understand football, you go, you understood that was an amazing performance. It was. It was a beatdown. They beat up Wisconsin. And we knew how good their defense was. We knew that at that right. point. And like, they, they worked them. And I predicted that game to go under, and I predicted Wisconsin to cover, but Michigan to win. I was predicting like a like a 19 to 13 game. Yeah, right. You know, like Wisconsin would just grind the rushing attack to a halt. Michigan opened up the passing attack a little bit more. Yeah. Attacked Wisconsin's defense where they're the most vulnerable, and then they ran the ball on them. And that's probably when I started saying, you know what? I'm, I need to start thinking differently about Caden McNamara yeah. as a quarterback. Yeah. That was the game, I think. Me too. Then they turn right around. When you think about this, they travel out or down to Wisconsin, go home, travel right back down. Okay. Right. Travel and where these games uh, play matters. Beat Nebraska 32 to 29, but whew, cut but, the hair of their chinny chin chin. It was a squeaker. I mean, they could have walked out of there with a loss easily. There was a, you know, I hate to bring up bad vibes for Nebraska fans, but an Adrian Martinez turnover that happened late in the game that was killer. Who knows what it would be without that? But in the end, those are the type of games you have to win. Uh, next week they or they get a bye week or excuse me idle week. Then they go to North, or play Northwestern and just toy with them. I mean they honestly like they were just kind of they were just kind of messing around in that game. You I could mean, tell they they were wrestling people in that game. It was there was live scrimmage for them. All they had to do was roll their helmets up for that one. Pretty much that was that was that was a helmet it was a, game. Yeah. Okay. Got to talk about this one, Michigan, because it's on the schedule. But they lose Michigan State at Michigan State. Um. You know, if there's any Michigan State fans listening, they're, they're going to get pissed, but Michigan should have won this game. Michigan should have won the game, but I wonder, is it something that galvanized them? Like, it was kind of a fire under their ass, like, That's you know, we, we kind of we had that yeah. game, we let it slip away, yeah. and maybe they buttoned down and played their ass off the rest of it's the year. Interesting, yeah. I wonder if you asked 100 Michigan fans, you can go back in time and redo the Michigan State game, but the, the the all the games after that are back up in the air. No, you wouldn't. I don't think I wouldn't take that deal. I wouldn't take that deal. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, how'd they respond? Well, they just destroyed Indiana 29 to 7, kind of like the Northwestern game. You know, they just whatever, helmet roller. Penn State battled them, right? But they were the better team. They absolutely destroyed Maryland 59 to 18. So now they're sitting at 10 and 1, right? Well, good job, Michigan. You had your good year. Now you play Ohio State. Yeah. You take your big loss, and you go to your decent bowl. Right? That's how it goes. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that is – there is a – maybe we already said this on the podcast, but there's a 26-year-old Michigan fan, I hope, listening to this podcast. That's probably the highlight of his entire life. 
that game. Yes. Is it not? For sure. I mean, because it wasn't just that you beat Ohio State. It wasn't just that you beat Ohio State by two touchdowns. It's that you beat Ohio State by two touchdowns by running the ball right down their throat. They were the more physical. And and just being more physical, beating them up. Both sides. Punch them in the mouth. Yeah. That's how you beat them. I mean, and I... I did my midseason redo for my predictions, and I predicted Michigan to win this game because of that. Yeah. Because of what I was seeing yeah. for Ohio State struggling with their front seven and Michigan. But you got to be set up to take advantage of weaknesses. Boy, did Michigan do it. So that sent them to Indianapolis, where they beat uh, Iowa with not much issue at all uh, once it got into the third third quarter. So that puts them at 12-1. and one. On the year, Big Ten champs. It is officially a special year for Michigan, no matter what happens the the next game. Um, what happened the next game was that, I mean, they got beat pretty bad by uh, Georgia, 34 to 11. Can I say this? Obviously, the, the, the talent gap played out in that game. Yeah. I feel like it was a bad game plan for Michigan, too. Okay. I, I, I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but but I believe there's a couple things that if the Michigan coaches go back and they they'd say we shouldn't have done that. Mm. That's just what it felt like to me. Okay, fair Wait, enough. Example? Or, no, I okay. just just some of the some of the schemes and thought process. Like they should have been more aggressive offensively. To be yes, honest with you, definitely. I mean that's the that's a that's a ten thousand foot saying, but now you'd have to get in the nuances of that. But okay. Um, so anyways, obviously finished the year at twelve and two. Looking at the stats, I mean, this pretty much looks like the stats of a team that looks like, you know, they won 10, yeah. 11, 12 games. The one that sticks out to me is the average score four and the average score against. 14th in the in the country in scoring, which, right. you know, that I, I think that probably would surprise people. And only we're eighth in the country in giving up points. That's right. a great combo. That's how you make it to the college football playoff. Long story short, their average score in their games were 35 to 17. And that's what the Georgia game in there, you know, if you take that game out, uh, it would look even better. They could run the ball. They could defend the run. They could get to the quarterback. I mean, the only thing that they weren't really good to elite at was throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. I do believe it's because they didn't need to throw the ball a lot of the times. Um, That's a lot of it. But we're going to get to that. I want to talk more about okay. that. Okay. All right. Team stud. Who you got? Easy choice. Sometimes I, they're obvious. Yeah. This one's just too uh, Great defense, obviously. And the greatest player on that defense and the greatest player on that team was Aiden Hutchinson, right? 62 tackles, which is pretty high for a defensive That's end, a lot. First of all. That's a lot for you. Uh, 14 sacks, which led the Big Ten. Uh, pa- defending passes, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, you name it. Like I, you can look at the offense and look at Hassan Haskins. What a great year! By the way, he had twenty touchdowns this year. I mean, if you combine Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, four hundred and fourteen carries, two thousand two hundred and seventy nine yards, and thirty one touchdowns. And, and I, I love Blake Corum. Unfortunately, got injured. I right. would love to give it to him, but I think it just. Runaway winner for me is Aiden Hutchinson. Um, yeah, but shout out to the the running back combination on also the entire offensive line. I mean, yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember when the Michigan offensive line was a gigantic concern. Yep, Whew, that was a destructive unit this best, year. Best in the big. I, I don't think there's any question yep. is there. Um, shout out to, but yeah, I mean Aiden Hutchinson. Do you remember like second third game of the year where we said? Dude, Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's on turbo jets. Look different. He, he look, as good of a player as he was last year, and I couldn't believe he came back for another year. 
He was noticeably better this year. He looked fresh. Yeah. I mean, it was impressive. Also, shout out to David Ojabo. He had 11 sacks. But Hutchinson is a more completely well-rounded yep. player. Like, I'm surprised to see Ojabo getting first-round grades. We'll see where he winds up because I think he's kind of strictly a pass rusher right now, but he's obviously got talent. Um, best game moment, again, sometimes they're pretty obvious, right? SB Ohio State, and it wasn't just because they won. And it was just because they won big, but how often do you see Ohio State looking futile and helpless? Not often. We saw it that day, though, right? It really kind of was. I mean, it was still a pretty close game, but, like, the whole thing was, and I know we're talking about the same thing, but, like, you just never had confidence Ohio State could stop them. It was, they, you sensed desperation. <laughs> That's true. Which, I mean, it was weird. It's weird to watch I think that. desperation would be what the, uh, any coach would say. I mean... My guess is if you pulled any coach that's been doing it for a while, right? And you would say, what is some of the worst experiences you've ever had as a football coach? They would point to some game along the way where they're like, they were running down our throat and we could do nothing about it. Literally because nothing to stop. That is absolutely hopeless. Yeah. It's as hopeless as can be. Yeah. When you can't run and can't stop the run. It's yeah. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. So, yeah, I mean, it was seemingly... You know, 25 years is what it feels like of 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 a release for Michigan fans winning that winning that game. Yeah, absolutely. It was huge. I mean, the head scratcher again, I think these are obvious. It's it's not just Michigan State. It's the second half versus Michigan State. OK, I'm going a different direction. For real? Okay, I'm going a different to, direction. Just to be just to be just to, yeah, just to be different, because. So would you say that that's actually the answer, but yeah. you want to just give a different answer? Yes. Okay. Yes. I want to. And plus, I. I knew you were going to talk about Michigan yeah, yeah. State. So I, and, and this at the time, I remember talking on the recap episode about this, but I'm going to do it again. The head scratcher moment for me, looking back, now hindsight 2020, but we didn't necessarily know how good they were at the time, but it's the Rutgers game. Okay. Because I'm going to go through all of their drives. Okay. Oh, they, they had 11 drives in the game. Okay. First game. Or first drive. For, or first drive. 17 plays, 74 yards. Touch. That's what Boom. you expect. It's what they'd been doing the previous three, three or four games. The next one, only four plays, 72 yards, touchdown. Boom. This is what you, we kind of expected. Okay, after that, five plays, 14 yards, punt. Five plays, 26 yards, field goal. Okay. okay. Four plays, 54 yards, field goal, and halftime. After that, three plays, no yards. Three plays, negative one yards. Three plays, seven yards. Three plays, five yards. Eight plays, 33 yards, missed field goal, two plays to end the game. Crazy. That's a that's 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 a Iowa offense level of ineptitude in the second half. What happened I there? Know. And I and the thing is, is I can remember there was frustration by Michigan fans with their offensive coordinator, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, where second half and and sometimes when a challenge comes about them, there's not a there's not a readjustment and an answer. Mm-hmm. And that's where it came came about is is performances like that against the Rutgers defense that's not that great. Yeah, okay. I mean, at the time they were probably a little better, better because like they, they really got wore down as the season went on. But still, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, they had yeah. three pl- three drives in a row that were three plays and out. Crazy, and they barely even got positive yards. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm not going to choose it just because you still got the win, you know, so, but I like the, the, the deep dive, uh, team grade. This was an easy one for me. I went with an a solid a, I can't go a plus because like a plus is basically perfect, right? 
you can't go you can't go perfect when you lose to your in-state rival and how they looked at the end of the year. But this is a very good A, like a 90, 96% A, maybe 95. Yeah, so I went A as well, solid A. And the reason I can't go plus is because Michigan has won a national championship right. in my lifetime. So that's their A+. plus. That's their A+. plus. So it wasn't quite the A+. Plus. you got to give them an A. But I... I think any Michigan fan or any fan in general would, if they know that their season ends in an A, they're pretty happy about that. All right. So the 2022 spring ahead, what needs improvement? Um, Just just calming everything down. Just calm it down now. That's, that's, you know, uh, we had the craziness with Harbaugh and and, and there's gotta be embattled Michigan fans are like, now hold up. We finally break through, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, get the college football playoff, and then things still go haywire to a certain degree. Yeah. Like it would be pretty annoying. I, I, there's got to be some Michigan fans who are a little bit annoyed at that. I would think so. I mean, yeah. new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Harbaugh flirting with the NFL. No, I'm good coming back. Um, so let's just let's just calm it back down. That's that's what we need to look through the spring. Like come out of the spring heading into the summer and fall and people are like, okay, that all that crap that went down in February is it's, it's behind us. But you gotta be wondering, is this his last year then? I mean, I know he's got this whole new contract. He's making a crap load of money, but still, you know, you know what his plan is now. And, you know, we could probably could have brought that up in housekeeping. I don't know if you saw the details in that uh, contract. Oh, the buyout. He can leave at any time. Right. I, I mean, you know, an NFL team can scrap the money together to get them out of that contract pretty quick. It's not super high right now and it gets low fast. Correct. So I don't know, but that all kind of plays together to me. Um, And then, and I'm sure they'll be fine, but they, they have lost a lot on defense. Like there's a lot of defense. It's not just Hutchinson and Ojabo. There's other guys that have left on the defense too. So I would say that's, you know, what needs improvement through the spring. Uh, what's looking, what's looking good. Well, hold on. I, oh, sorry. I haven't gone with my actual oh. one. So what needs improvement for me? I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth because I can do that because it's our podcast. Second time you said that now. You're... That's right. I, and I have sung Cade McNamara's praises, I right? I really yeah. like him, but here's the thing. Yeah. There is a talent gap, which you pointed out between them and a team like Georgia. Yeah. That was noticeable. You can overcome that if you have an elite quarterback. So is J.J. McCarthy that quarterback? We don't know, but he has to be that quarterback if they want to make the next step. I think that's so, a great point. To me, it's, I, again, this is totally hypocritical, but it's quarterback play. you got to get more out of that position. And I really hope that if a member of the Cade McNamara family is listening, that they don't take that as a knock against Cade. Because we sung the praises of Cade McNamara, I feel like, a lot. He's a pod. leader. I, I would tell people he's better than he gets credit for, but it's just not enough. Correct. Um, so my thought process is uh, their um, defensive total yards this year, they were 18th. Average score against 8th. What happens if those just dip to 29th and 18th? For those two stats, yeah, you're gonna have to make it up where on offense yeah. and JJ McCarthy turning into an elite stud, that's where it's at. That's what has to happen. So I get it that Michigan fans want it because at some point you're just like, well, let's see if he's is that good. And me and you, not being, you know, quarterback developers or or experts, I feel like we've watched enough football to say there was a couple throws and things JJ McCarthy would do, and you're like, oof. And the thing that, that you he, see the talent. 
Yeah, but the thing that you don't even think about that much is he his legs are really good too. Like I see him as a passing quarterback because that's what he is recruited as. But I would talk to people who are more casual Big Ten fans like, oh, J.J. McCarthy, he's the guy that's like the running quarterback. And it's like, well, no, he's a better runner than McNamara, but he's a better thrower than McNamara too. Yeah, I mean, I know there's a quarterback that as far as style and everything that I would compare him to is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, okay. Trevor Lawrence could run the ball. Oh yeah, he, he he had he had better scoots than you thought. Yep. Um, both good arms. I think maybe JJ McCarthy has a better arm, but I would say Lawrence was the better runner. Really, I think so. Okay, but you you get like he's not going to be a quote unquote running quarterback, but he can run, which is what I would say about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, well, when Trevor Lawrence took off Dude, against Ohio not, State, right. I don't think JJ can. So do what that. you're saying is Trevor Lawrence is maybe faster, yeah, top speed. But also, I don't know. I have to see McCarthy a little more stout and build as okay. well. Okay, yeah, it's gonna be. And, and the funny thing is, as far as what's looking good, that's what I actually where I had JJ McCarthy is. I do think you're going to see it moving forward. Um, but I mean, really, like what what's looking good is, I mean, you could kind of say everything right now. I, I, I there's nothing like. They, they lost a lot of talent off the defense, but they're, they're going to have talent coming back. Um, I believe a lot of the rushing concepts will come back. Blake Corum is back. They'll team him with another running back. Like, there's just a lot of good things to look at here. For me, it's that Michigan is back. Okay. That the rivalry is back. It's yep. actually a rivalry again. We get khaki pants back. We get to keep talking about khaki pants. I was We were going to have to have, like, a funeral for him leaving the Big Ten if he had gone to the – to the Vikings, J.J. McCarthy is young. He has time to develop. And they have – it. and we've talked about this before. Did they always have playmakers? They just couldn't couldn't take advantage of them? Well, now we see that. We see the playmakers and we see the plays. So it's like the dam kind of broke open. A little bit. And um, um, the playmakers that we were always looking for were obviously on the offensive side of the ball. If I could say even more so at the wide receiver position, you started, you saw, you know, snippets of that another year in the system, you know, and plus, uh, the development of JJ McCarthy, maybe it's even better. Yeah. Next year, in some capacity, with the offense and the, and the throw game. Yeah. All right. That was your 2021 Big Ten Champs Michigan Wolverines, and that is the end of the Team Grade podcast. So put you on the spot, put pressure on you. Are you going to be ready for the recruiting pod next week, or what are we thinking? Uh, just um, no promises yet. Okay. So we'll either do – here's all the scenarios. Next week could be the recruiting pod. Next week could just be a, a fluff pod where we just find something to talk about. We've got to do our mailbag. We haven't done a mailbag yet. I haven't done a mailbag. Okay, that's good. Could do it's that. It's always one of the funnest ones. Oh, absolutely. Or we take a week off. That's probably in there too. But coaches' rankings. That's that's deep. That's definitely deeper in the offseason. Did we ever do a helmet ranking episode? I don't think we, we ever did that. Well, we did one back when. We, no, no we was, it was uniform. It was uniforms. Okay. Now we're just riffing. Now, if you yeah. got any other ones out there, listeners, go ahead and tweet at us. Yeah. Okay. It's all on the table. We will get the recruiting pod at some point before the snow melts. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, in Minnesota, at least. Yeah. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.